Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I have spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Aaron McKeegan, you are the Managing Director at Alvarez and Marsal, found on the web at alvarezandmarsal.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. I think this is going to be great. Um, I am I'm curious, Aaron, at a very high level, do you mind kind of sharing what Alvarez and Marcel does, what services they offer? Absolutely. Uh, so Alvarez and Marsal was founded in 1983 by Tony Alvarez and Brian Marsal. At the time it was founded, it was really a boutique restructuring firm. So uh, supporting clients either in out-of-court workouts or in-court Chapter 11 processes. Today, uh, we have over 7,000 employees. We offer a full suite of consulting, um, focused mostly on performance improvement, maximizing value for our clients, stakeholders, and working through crisis situations. Uh, We're in 35 different countries, uh, and even though restructuring was our historic business line, it's certainly not the largest business line we have today. What other business lines do you offer? I'm curious. Uh, We have tax consulting. We have a group that supports private equity clients. Uh, There's a healthcare group. Uh, we have disputes and investigations. It's, it's really a full suite of consulting services for uh, both medium and large size corporations. That's fantastic. I imagine um, with the change in, in the market and in the world that there's a big need for a little bit of help with restructuring organizations. And um, over time, stuff changes and like what used to be no longer can can sustain, you know? So what kind of um, changes are you seeing when it comes to restructuring? And do you see any kind of trends that maybe you could share? Sure. And certainly the 
increases in interest rates have materially impacted businesses, particularly those with near-term refinancing and debt maturities. So we're really seeing a pickup in the market and a need for companies that maybe otherwise would have been able to refinance in an out-of-court situation to use the tools that are provided to them through a formal Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing in the U.S. court system to achieve their goals and write uh, their size their balance sheet for what operations look like today, um, as well as what they can afford given where the interest rates are and projected to continue to go up. You know, when when you're working with clients like this, I imagine you've got to build a lot of trust. Um, they're trusting you. You've got to trust them to be able to work through the process. Um, and I feel like that's one of the topics that just keeps coming back that's vital in business today is to be able to quickly be able to build that trust. Um, do you mind, maybe you have a story or two that you could share about, you know, building trust effectively or efficiently that that might help somebody else that's listening? Sure. And, you know, I would do it in the lens of us still operating in this virtual environment. When you're sitting next to someone, the ability to show empathy and connect with them quickly and build that trust is so much more organic than looking at each other over a screen. And I say that recognizing that you and I are on a screen now, but we've really had to focus on the fact that, you know, we are crisis managers. Um, There is a human aspect to what we do. You know, not only is the individual we're dealing with going through a turbulent time with their business, they're also in the back of their head thinking, how does this impact me? Are employee benefits going to change through this process? Um, Are there amounts that are due to me in the future that maybe are going to be impacted? So it's really just taking a step back and remembering the human aspect. And I think that the ability to do that is really how you can build trust quickly so that you can effectively guide your client through um, a crisis. Yeah, the human aspect, I feel like we're losing that today. And I feel like we're probably going to see people getting back to the basics of like, how do you communicate? How do you make eye contact with people? How do you shake hands? Because we've been, you know, in lockdown and and not being able to, to be able to have the face-to-face conversations, like you said, with the screens, you know, it's, it's just not like what it was five or 10 years ago. We jumped on planes and we solved problems and we came home and the human aspect I think is we're we're going to just have to get back to the basics is my opinion on that one. Um, do you see as you're beginning to build these relationships with new clients that that human aspect has really evolved and it's just different, you know, in what ways is it different? Is it not, not just being in person, but do you feel like the communication skills are different? The listening skills are different. Do you mind talking a little bit about what you're seeing with that, with the human aspect? Absolutely. You know, I think it's important even more so now than when we were in person and we are in person with some of our clients. I've been working with a client this year and they like to have us there and they are back in the office. So it it was so refreshing to go back to that a little bit. 
Um, but I think active listening becomes even more important when you're communicating over the screen and really taking the time to step back, hear what they're saying, pick up on the verbal cues and to the extent there's nonverbal cues available um, over the screen, recognizing those, and then assessing the situation in a way uh, that helps you to be the most effective communicator and connect uh, as much as possible with your client. You know, it's you lose the things over video, like the ability to stop by the executive assistant's desk and talk to her about her son's basketball game or the family barbecue she might have gone to. And at the end of the day, those types of conversations are the ones that are so valuable um, in building relationships. It's not sitting there and you know, talking about the business or the problem at hand. It's getting to know the person. Yeah, it's definitely the human aspect. And I love the fact that you talked about um, or that you just mentioned the nonverbal skills and being able to really notice the nonverbals. And I was on a, a call not too long ago and I can, you know, the mouse, the next to the computer, you've got the mouse and you've got the little rolly thing on it. And uh-huh. I can hear them in the background and they're just like rolling on this thing just constantly. Oh, <laughs> and, and I'm just listening and I'm like, gosh, you know, I wonder, I wonder what's going on, you know, that that's not being said, but they're still talking and they're processing information, but I just hear them just hitting that rolling thing on their mouse. And I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, what else is going on or has it become a fidget toy? And it's just there because that's what they've just been doing is as they're thinking and they're processing, they're able to use that um, mouse to kind of just process and, and fidget away. But, you know, it, it, as far as like the nonverbal, even on just a, a phone call and I don't see what they're doing, you can still hear what's going on in the background and just be aware of, you know, the voice reflection and, and the other noises that are in the background. And, um, I don't know, I just think there's a lot there. Do you have a particular story of a, of a, um, a nonverbal skill that you observed and, um, just find it interesting. Want to share? Absolutely. And your mouse example was perfect because probably three weeks into COVID lockdown, uh, I was participating in a pitch for a new client and we were presenting to the CFO. And as we all gathered on zoom for the pitch, you know, she was very engaged and, um, talking to the group, and within seconds of starting our initial pitch, I could hear the click, click, click you were just referencing, and it was was so demoralizing, because at that point, you're like, okay, well, we've totally lost her, and if we've lost her, that means, you know, we're not going to be winning this pitch against our competitors, and uh, I happen to be the only female on the pitch, and I was the only one that heard that click, 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 because Everyone else was so focused on, you know, we have to tell her what A&M does. We have to tell her why we are the best in the industry and we have to tell her why she needs to hire us. But because they went through that so methodically, there was the lack of recognition that, you know, we had lost her anyhow. So there was, she wasn't hearing what we were saying. Were you able, what, what were you able to do with that? Cause you're in the process, you've got the deck, you know, you've worked on it very hard to be able to, to, to sell your services. And then you hear that noise. And like you said, being a female on the team, sometimes we pick up things, 
that maybe not everybody else is observing, you know, I'll, I can see just, you know, if a picture's crooked on the wall, I'm like, oh, we need to fix that. It's like this little stuff and it's so silly, but um, maybe it's not silly. And so you hear that. What do you do in the moment or what did you do? You know, you, you still have to let people go through their motions, but then when it's time for questions and a more open dialogue, you can go back to the pieces that you thought may have been missed during that period where that distraction existed um, and, and try to recoup. But it's, it's kind of one of those things where like once you've lost them, it, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. Sometimes I know we would um, kind of decompress after some of those meetings and just kind of say, okay, this is what I noticed. And what did you notice? I'm sure you guys are doing that as well. And were you picking out that kind of stuff and sharing after the fact? Absolutely. And everyone was very appreciative. Our, our culture is very much so one that encourages collaboration. And, you know, it was a learning time for us of how do you go from pitching in a boardroom to pitching over Zoom? And so it was good uh, for us to regroup and share what I had noticed and be able to be on uh, lookout for that in the future. I think that's fantastic. I know um, not too long ago, I did a uh, presentation on failures and what you just said, you know, we're just learning all the time. And sometimes people may say, you know, it, it could have been a failure or, or not as big of a success. And what I've found is as long as we're learning from this stuff, I don't really see it as a big failure. We're just evolving um, to adapt to, to what, what the world needs. And sometimes we have to change, but we're not going to change if we're doing the same thing over and over again. So what you're saying is as far as learning and, and, um, noticing and being able to share and being very collaborative. Um, I know having collaborative teams over the years has just been a huge reason of, of success, you know, for me and, and what I've been able to experience because we all came together and had a common vision and a goal. So um, do you mind kind of sharing a little bit? You've talked about um, before we, we jumped on that um, matching leadership skills um, to those around you is um, something that keeps kind of bubbling up as, as a topic that allows you to continue to um, succeed. And I would love to just kind of hear a little bit around how you match your leadership skills to those around you and how that's been beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a little bit of background. So my team is pretty diverse, uh, both in our backgrounds educationally, our age range. And so there's a lot of different learning styles. Uh, and so as I'm working with individuals, it's give and take. And I like to think that we work together. You know, I am very open as a manager to feedback and real-time feedback to come to an outcome that, um, you know, produces the best result for our clients. And also, particularly with our staff, put them in an environment where they can succeed. At the end of the day, you know, having a happy, successful team uh, makes our job enjoyable and makes the work that we do successful. So I think the biggest thing is just really my openness to real-time feedback and working together with the individuals on my particular team at the time to create a structure, be it in meetings or uh, as we're communicating over email that 
best support their development. How do you create openness to real-time feedback? I think in my past, a lot of folks say, you know, they have the door open to to receive it. And um, a lot of times it's hard as a manager or a leader to be able to receive the feedback just if people are coming in at, you know, any time of the day or pinging you with a, um, a message or email or, or phone call, you know, how do you, I guess, maybe do you put structure around that openness to receive feedback? What works well for you? You know, I think it's more about the relationships and establishing and nurturing the relationships with the team so that they trust when I say the doors open that it truly is open. And, you know, you have to show some vulnerability too, which has been the hardest thing in for me in my career to learn. Uh, I grew up in a world where we just got A's and we did what we were told and you were expected to succeed in everything that you did. And so transitioning to the recognition that it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to tell people about my failures and they can hear how I learned from them to go back to the point that you raised earlier. Uh, I think that has been a really effective way in my establishing open communications and both upward and downward feedback. You know, I am ready and willing to talk to my staff and give them real-time constructive feedback. And I think they appreciate it. Uh, and recognize that I appreciate it as well when they're willing to provide it to me. It takes a lot of courage to be able to give it. It takes a lot of courage to be able to receive That's the feedback too. Um, That's and a I, wonderful way to describe it. <laughs> it uh, It's a process, isn't it? And it doesn't just happen yep. overnight. Like we have to go through it and it's going to be muddy and uncomfortable and you're going to feel like you're just kind of slogging through it and, um, yeah, once we get the feedback a few times, it, it may be different feedback, you know, over the years, but it gets easier to receive it, or maybe we just have a, a way of being able to receive it. And then equally as, as scary as to be able to give feedback, especially up in organization. And sometimes it's scary giving the feedback going down in the organization because you, you've got this great team and these relationships and you just don't want to disrupt it too much. Um, but you know that it, sometimes it needs a little bit of disruption. So it's just a very fine dance, um, figuring out the, the best ways to provide the feedback in, in the most effective manner. Tell me, um, I like what you talked about when you, when you talked about being okay to have a little bit of vulnerability. I think part of um, being a, a leader in business today is having that vulnerability and it, it can be scary. Um, I was just reading an article um, that another lady was writing about sharing her vulnerabilities and how it was scary for her, but she knew that it helped open up the doors for some other people that were watching. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts a little bit more on vulnerability since you happen to mention it. Sure. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I would say when I started my career, there was no room for vulnerability. It was like, oh, big X, like that's just not something that I was willing to have happen in a business setting. And, you know, and then I was so fortunate to have a mentor here at a that really noticed it as something that made me uncomfortable and just said, Erin, it's okay. It's, no one's perfect. 
you don't want people to think you're perfect because then it's going to create this barrier to your success as a manager and their success as a team member. So let's work on it together. Um, and then I had kids and it was just like all bets off. <laughs> kids are just, you know, an organic way to make you vulnerable. The number of times I've, when they were little, had stood up down the front of me or, you know, had some crisis that they're screaming in the background for whatever reason. Um, it, it just, they, they make you show your vulnerabilities, whether you're ready or not. <laughs> Very um, well put. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the um, you had shared one other thing as, as far as um, practicing excellence, and I think, um, yeah, giving up on I'm trying to fit in that perfect box, like what you talked about with your mentor, and kind of shifting from that that perfected box to more of just strive for excellence and know that what you're doing is is good. Do you mind kind of sharing your thoughts on on excellence and um, how you evolved to that and and what's working for you today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, excellence is different in everyone's mind. Um, For me personally, I really go back to my core values and making sure that I'm living by those every day. And if I am, that helps me to achieve excellence. You know, knowing that I'm putting um, the best quality products forward both internally and to my client and approaching each situation with integrity and just really doing the best that I can in the situation that is presented to me with the facts on the table. Um, and at the end of the day, it results in you know personal reward for me, knowing that I did the best that I can do and I um, helped my client through the situation and hopefully learn something and have some fun along the way. I think that's well said. I think um, at the end of the day, we've got so much coming at us that we just need to tell ourselves or ask ourselves, did we do the best we could for today? And then just let it be and not beat ourselves up over it because it's so easy to say, oh, I should have, and I could have, and all these other things that didn't get done. And we really need to focus on what we did accomplish and be okay with it. And um I love how you tie that back into your core values and integrity and, and knowing that that you did the best that you could to be able to help your clients and to be able to help the team that you're working with. Um, Aaron, if someone wants to learn more about you and, and the services that you're providing, what is the best way to reach out to you? Definitely via LinkedIn. Um, my email address is also on the website. I would love to hear from listeners and what they thought about our time together and anything that you and I may have discussed that sparked something in them. You know, I'm always looking to expand my network and support others in being the best that they can be both in their personal lives and their careers. That is wonderful. Thank you. Erin McKeegan, you are the managing director of Alvarez and Marsal found on the web at alvarezandmarsal.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I had a really enjoyable time. Thank you.
My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. You can find us more at katherinecanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here.